Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good afternoon, everybody. How y'all doing? Everybody good? Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and we're so glad you're here on a uh, Sunday afternoon. Next week, as you guys are probably aware of, is Easter and we are going to have eight gatherings uh, for you to bring your family and friends. I'm hoping you're going to bring your family and friends to this gathering. And, uh, and it's going to be an amazing week. Um, Friday, five, uh, 6 and 7.30, sorry, 6 and 7.30. Saturday, 6 and 7.30. And then our normal uh, routine on Sunday. And we're just believing God's going to fill this house with people who need to know Jesus. Uh, in the meantime, we are in this series called Words from the Cross, as you just saw. And if you haven't been here with us over these past several weeks, um, what we've been doing is looking at these seven statements that Jesus makes uh, from the cross. Like as he's there hanging uh, on the cross, he makes seven different statements. We're not going to get to look at all of them. Um, But what we're really reading is Jesus is showing us how um, to handle a really bad day. Obviously, Jesus is having, we call it Good Friday, but for him it wasn't very good. Um, um, He's showing us how how it is that we can survive and thrive, in fact, uh, in, in a bad day. I, I want to take your attention to Hebrews chapter 12. We read this a few weeks ago, um, but I want to read it from this paraphrase called The Message. Um, and and, and in, in this text, what we're learning, what we're seeing is how um, to survive a bad day, how to thrive. And the first thing we read is that we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, and literally to, to, to look what he did, to, to, to notice what he did in, in this story that we've been unpacking, and, and who both began and finished this race we're in. And then he says this big word here, study, study, read the story, go line by line through the story, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, the, the vision, the goal, which is that people like us would gather under, under his banner, saved and going to heaven, right? He never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame of the cross, and, and whatever else would come his way. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And this is where, where it gets real. Next verse, please. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, when you find yourself struggling, When you find yourself going through times and seasons and difficulties, he says, go over that story again. Go over the the narrative that we've been studying, item by item, notice that. Go go item by item, which is exactly what we've been doing. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through and that, that, the story, reading it again and again will shoot adrenaline into your souls. And so this is exactly what we've been doing over these past weeks. Uh, looking at these last words of Jesus, those, those last few hours while he was there on the cross, so powerful, uh, so, so needful in our lives, and, and we've been going line by line. What I want to do is I want you to look up on the screen here. We got a, a QR code, and I'd love for you, I know we have a lot of QR codes, and you're like, dude, whatever, another QR code, but this, one's, um, this one is for a, a plan called Easter Explained, an eight-day guide to celebrating Holy Week that I started today. There's a Palm Sunday reading, 
And I think it would be amazing um, if everybody in our church, those who watch this online, those who will see this as a po- or hear this on a podcast later on in the week, if we are all reading the story, going line by line, just like we read there, we go through the story again. This will take you from the Old Testament into the New Testament. There's a lot of of, of explanations in in the in the in the devotional. And I would love it. And, and if you don't have a phone out and you can't do that right now, then you can just Google that, Easter Explained, and you'll find a link to that as, as well. Um, so today we're going to look at this statement from Jesus, the, the shortest of them, really, um, that I think gives us uh, permission, freedom to, to be real, to be honest, to be transparent with other people in life. And it's found in John's Gospel. If you have your Bibles John chapter 19, and we already looked at one of the statements that he made in, in John 19 from the cross. And now we're gonna look at the second one that's here. Verse 28, later, knowing that all was now completed, so all the work was done at this point, except his actual death, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, and this is the line we're gonna study today, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Um, I, I think what we're seeing here in this little short phrase is that even though Jesus is fully God, um, he's also fully human. And so as he's hanging there on the cross in, in what amounts to his worst day ever, even though, again, we call that, that day Good Friday, he's not feeling very good at this point. He's vulnerable there. But, but I want to make a very clear distinction. I think it's important for the theology of this moment. That, that even though Jesus is dying here, he's also fully in control. I want you to understand that. Like e- everything that is taking place, the, the, the fact that God sent his only son, gave his only son, that, that, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that all of this ultimately was his choice. He willingly submits to it. It, it, it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians that he was obedient to death, like he obeyed this, this whole thing. But, but we know that he's still in charge because in John 10, he himself, Jesus says, nobody can take my life from me. That's what he says. He says, I give it, I lay it down voluntarily. I sacrifice it voluntarily. He says, in the next part of the verse, he says, for I have the, the authority to lay it down, but I also have the authority to take it up again. So it's important we know that he could summons you know, a host of angels to come and take him down and, and to destroy everybody around him that has harmed him, but he decides to willingly submit himself to death. And the way Paul says it, even the death of the cross, he becomes vulnerable. He, he humbles himself to this kind of death to set an example for us. And I think that what we can take away from this moment that John records for us is that Jesus' plea for a drink is a reminder that no one is so in control, so spiritual, or so self-sufficient that they can make it through their bad days without any people to help them. That's what we're reading here. That everybody, including Jesus, needs somebody to help them walk through the dark days that life sometimes gives us. So, so, so the, the lesson for us today from, from the text is to be honest enough to ask for help. And I would say it this way, to be human enough to ask for help. And in my own experiences, both uh, personal, just as a guy who tries to navigate life, and, and then professionally as a, as, as, a, as a leader and as a, as a pastor, 
I find that we often wait a very long time before we ask for help. We're often willing to suffer much before we ask for help. And, and sometimes as pastors, sometimes people come to us and say they need to talk to us about something. And when they've told us what they want to share with us, sometimes it goes through our heads like, man, why, why did you wait so long to come and ask for help? Uh, because now it's, it's, really, it's a really bad situation. But, but Jesus... Our example, which is what we read in Hebrews, we're looking at Jesus on his worst day ever, when he's feeling alone, when he's feeling abandoned, when he says in his own words, uh, Father, you've, why have you forsaken me? He, 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 does, he does this thing where he stops and he asks for help. A very specific request, I'm thirsty. In other words, get me, somebody help me, get me something to drink. And I think this is so huge for us today because often when we're confused, when we're overwhelmed, when we're feeling defeated by life or we're going through our own set of bad days, um, we, we often don't ask for help. Instead, we do this. N- number one, we ignore our pain. We just ignore it. Like, like if, we, if I ignore it, it'll go away and so we kind of suffer in silence or we say I gotta man up or I gotta I gotta superwoman up and hope it'll go away and and we do this in three ways number one we just deny it like it's not that it's 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 not really happening whatever's happening is not really happening we minimize it and men this is often a, a tactic that men use we we minimize we we go it's not that big of a deal it doesn't hurt that bad I got this um or or the third thing we do is we just procrastinate like we, we recognize there's probably, I probably need some help here, but I'll get, I'll, I'll get help someday. And so we sort of stuff it in a box and we'll deal with that later. Um, and we push it back to the back of our minds. But the, but the problem is, and, and, and this is real talk, y'all, the, the longer we ignore the pain, the problem, the situation, the deeper it buries itself into our souls. And the deeper it buries in, itself into our souls, the more it becomes a, a set of lenses that we view life through. So we'll say things like, you know, all men are the same or all women are the same or all bosses are bad or, or, or whatever it is. I'm, I'm gonna give you three Psalms that kind of help me illustrate this. Psalm 39, uh, David, the, 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 the King David, he writes this. He says, I kept very quiet. So he's ignoring his problem. He said, but I came, but, but because I kept quiet, I became even more upset. I became very angry inside, and as I thought about it, my anger burned. In other words, it's growing. It's not just staying the same little problem as he suffers in silence. He just, he, it gets worse. The, the, so we ignore it. The second thing we do is we run from it. And again, David does this as well. Psalm 55 and verse 6 and 8, he said, I wish I had wings like a dove. Then I'd fly away and rest, and, and I would hurry to my place of, look at this word, of escape. And this is what we often do, we run. It's human nature that we run from our difficulties. We have fight or flight responses. And some of us will stand up and go, I have a problem, I need help. But a lot of us, most of us, I would say, will run. And it's not by accident that doors in public spaces open outward because people in panic run and and go out. They push the panic bar and they go out. And and we escape in all sorts of numbing ways, numbing behaviors. And I'm not going to get into all that. You know what they are for you. But the problem is, is when we come back, maybe we did fly away. Maybe we did escape. But when we come back, the problem still remains. The issue is still there. And, And that leads us to the third thing that we do with it. We hide it. We ignore it. We run from it. And, and we hide it. And, and sometimes people will be fully 
cognizant of the fact that there's an issue, there's a problem, there's a deep issue, but they will choose to cover it up. They'll wear a mask. They'll, they'll smile. They'll pretend. They'll go all out to convince other people that life is great uh, when it's not. David tries this too. It's Psalm 32, he says, when I kept things to myself, and this little translation is silent. When I kept things silent, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. So in another translation, it says he groans all day long. It's so, it's so painful inside of him because he's kept it inside that, that it's making his life miserable. And, and, and hiding what we're going through um, and I don't mean that we go out and sort of emotionally vomit on everybody. Everybody with me on this? I mean that, that we go to the right people and we talk to people, but we hide it and it just makes it worse. And, and, and here's what I've discovered from my own life. We, we often hide for one of two reasons. Number one, it's fear. Like we fear that if, I, if people know what I'm going through or what's happened, that I'm gonna be rejected by them. We, we, we fear uh, appearing weak. Like people will think I'm weak if I tell them I'm struggling with thoughts of whatever, right? We, feel, we fear being exposed. Like if people knew what was going on in me, they would not wanna be around me. The, the other thing that, we, that causes us to hide is pride. Pride. We, we've believed a lie in our country that we are uh, self-sufficient, that we don't need anybody. We want people to believe that we're strong enough. But pride, guys, pride from beginning to end of the Bible is always painted in a negative way. In fact, one of the great verses about pride is that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall. Pride is destructive and it will take you down. Now, hiding has been going on a very long time. In fact, all the way back in Adam and Eve's day, in Genesis chapter three, we read this text that then the man and his wife heard the sound, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, which he had done many times before, we learn, in the cool of the day. So this should be great news. It's like, hey, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes. Like he's coming to hang out with us. But instead, it says that they hid, they hid. This is our word that we're looking at. From the Lord God, among the trees of the garden, which is kind of the silliest thing ever, right? Because nobody can hide from God. Right? You can't hide from God. No, they couldn't hide from God. We can't hide from God. Um, because he's all-knowing, he's ever-present, and, and, and he's all-powerful. Verse nine, so, so the Lord God, Adam and Eve were hiding, and the, and the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Now, now question, does God not know where Adam is? Of course he does. He knows everything. So, so then why, why the question? I, I think what God is doing is God is wanting Adam to acknowledge where he is. What, what have you done and what has brought you to this place that you feel ashamed and that you have to hide from me? Where are you? What's the condition of your heart right now, Adam? And I think, I think as God has done all day here, that the Spirit of God is gonna do that for some of us in this room today. Ask us the same question. Where are you? Why, why are you running? Why are you hiding? And, and he answered, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was, notice this word, I was afraid. There's that word fear that we were just talking about. I was afraid because I was naked, right? He feels exposed, he feels vulnerable, he feels ashamed, and it's a form of pride that he's hiding. So it's fear and pride. So I, so I hid, so I hid. And, and when he says naked, we, he's literally naked, but the way that we're gonna think about that nakedness is he's saying, I'm feeling very vulnerable and exposed right now, right? I, I was afraid because I, I, I realize I'm imperfect. I was afraid because 
uh, we, we disobeyed you and we feel like you're gonna reject us now. And it's interesting that one of the great needs of humankind is the need to be fully known and fully loved, both, not one or the other. And yet when we hide, we kind of undo the possibility for either one of those things to happen because if nobody really fully knows us, then how can they fully love us? And, and we cannot afford to hide. It, it does bad things to us. They were naked, the Bible says. And, and nakedness for us, it's literal for them, but for us it could represent vulnerability, like lowering our guard, taking off the masks, and, and being transparent. It can be vulnerability and transparency. Now, nakedness either brings intimacy, think about this with me, it brings intimacy or it brings shame, right? Vulnerability, then think about it. Vulnerability will either bring intimacy, like you'll get closer to people, or it will bring shame. Vulnerability will either cause you to run to people to ask for help or, or from people to ask for help. And, and here's what I know. Here's what I've learned from, from my 51 years now. It's, it's, it's either wisdom that is gonna cause us to go and ask for help or it's unbearable pain that's gonna go and ask, cause us to ask for help. And this is the decision, and I wanna lean in right here. This is the decision in front of us. We, we lay down our fear, we lay down our pride, we lay aside the shame to ask for help, or we wait until the issues that we're facing, the problems, the bad days that we're going through become so painful that we are forced to go and ask for help. It's either wisdom or pain and the wise person chooses wisdom. So Adam decides to hide. We do this, but here's what I want you to know. When we hide, when we ignore, when we uh, run from it, trying to escape from it, and, and, and when we hide from it, we give the enemy, our spiritual enemy, by the way, by the way, you have a spiritual enemy, everybody. Like, I, I know that some people don't like to think about that, but you have a spiritual enemy, and it's not your husband, come on, somebody, and, and it ain't your wife, kids, it ain't your mom or dad, dad, mom, it ain't your kids, right? It's not your weird coworker, right, or your boss, it's not the neighbor who blows the leaves into your side, come on, it's none of those things, right? You have a spiritual enemy, and, and when we hide, and when we ignore, and when we run from it, we create isolation, we create isolation so nobody knows what we're going through. We're the only ones who know what's going on. And that is what, what Rick McKinley, a pastor in Portland, calls the garden. Of, isolation is the garden of the devil. Because in isolation, when we run, when we ignore, when we hide, when we fake out everybody, it, it, it's fertile soil for the enemy to sow seeds in our heart of doubt and fear and unbelief and shame and rejection and guilt. And, and, and so what we're doing is we're thinking about, hey, this is my problem, this is what's going on in my life. I probably should get help, but when we do these other things, we're inviting the enemy to speak into our lives and, and to get involved to say, hey, listen, you don't need to get help. People will reject you if, if you ask for help. People will shame you if you ask for help. If people really knew what was going on in your head right now. Nobody would wanna be around you. And here's what happens when we hear that and we don't go, absolutely not, we, we, and we start to believe it, we start working harder at pretending than we do at getting better. This is what we do, everybody. And, and I think God would say to us in this room today, where are you? And why are you hiding? And why are you ignoring? And why are you running? And when are you gonna get real with God? And, and when are you gonna get real with other people, the right people, and invite them into your stuff? Can, can I just, I, I wanna say this 
Um, and I hope that it will be a freeing thing for you. Everybody in this room is a little bit jacked up. Come on, starting with me, right? Come on, you're like, I came to fourth gathering to get slammed on, right? But can, I'm just gonna do it like this, okay? Hello, my name is Danny, and I'm a little bit jacked up. Hello, Danny. That's what you're supposed to say back to me, okay? Nobody's ever been through any 12 steps. Come on, somebody, right? So can, can we just do that real quick? Ready, ready? Hello, my name is, your name, come on. You gotta, we're gonna, everybody understands what I'm saying right now? Like, hello, my name is Jerry, and I'm a little bit jacked up. Like only seven of you did that, right? So that means the other ones are really jacked up. I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, right? Like everybody's a little bit jacked up. And, and, and the reason I'm telling you that, starting with me, like, like, and you don't need me to tell you that I'm jacked up, you already know, right? You're like, I've been here before, bro. You got issues, man. They made a shirt out there with you with Denim Dan on it and you're holding a knife in big red. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who did that and why they did that, but here we go, anyways. Right, I, I'm telling you this because the enemy wants you to believe that it's just you going through the problems that you're going through that nobody else has ever gone through, nobody else has ever thought what you're thinking, nobody else has experienced what you're experiencing. He wants you to be isolated so he can plant seeds into your life, but, but, but it's not true. We're all, we've all been overwhelmed. We've all had the wrong ideas, the wrong thoughts. We've all faced bad things. We've all done dumb things, right? And, and, and we're all damaged on some level, and that's why I love this house that we call Life Point. It's, not a, it, it's a hospital. It's not a museum for perfect things. Right? This is a place where we say everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect. And with Jesus, anything is possible. It, this is a place where we say it's okay to not be okay. But we also say it's not okay to stay that way because Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. He came to give us life, John 10 says, and life to the full. And so nobody should come in here pretending I got it all together. I don't have any real problems. So for us, come on, folks, for us, the number one rule, King James, ready? Thou shalt keep it real. Come on, somebody, thou shalt keep it. So hello, my name is Danny, and I'm a little bit jacked up because thou shalt keep it real. Are you with me on this, everybody? Okay, four of you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I got four believers in the house with me today, right? So, so what's the answer? What do we do about all of this? We, we learn it from the Hebrews passage. We look to Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus. What did he do in the moments of suffering and, 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 and darkness? Because he went through darkness. We talked about that last week. What did he do, right? He was, he was honest. I'm thirsty. I need help. It, it's, it's not weakness to ask for help. It's wisdom. Amen, somebody? I, I think this is what this boils down to. Are you gonna let fear? Are you gonna let pride? Are you gonna let shame rule your life or are you gonna ask God, God, give me the wisdom and the courage to go and ask the right people for help? So, so what do we do? Two things, two quick things. Number one, we turn to God's people. We turn to God's people. And, and I would say it this way, this is the way I've always referenced this, we turn to the right people. Because not just any person will do, it's a person who has a track record of wisdom, a, tr a person who, who is, uh, is a person of prayer, who understands God's word on some level. God often heals us through his people. I have found that to be true all of my life. He heals us through 
his people. I, I think little kids know this instinctively, that when they fall down and hurt themselves, after they hold their breath for 43 seconds, can I get a witness on that? And then they freak out a little bit. They run to the person they trust the most because they know this person will comfort me, this person will help me, this person can heal me. But then as we grow up from little kids and, and life deals us bad blows and we hurt ourselves, the betrayals happen. Instead of running to the people we love the most, we run from them. Instead of running to the house of God to find healing and help and hope, we run away from the house of God and, and we isolate ourselves. But, but you and I were not meant to do this life alone. Come on, somebody believe that with me, right? God, God never intended that you walk alone, that you suffer silently, that you just figure it out on your own. And, 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 and so James says that we're supposed to go to God's people. In James 5, 16, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And, and sins, I want you to think of not just actual sins, but your, your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, and your actual sins. Confess, express your sins to each other, and pray for each other. So it's two things. It's confession and it's prayer for each other so that you may be, say this word with me, you may be healed, right? You're healed. And, and then he says, because the prayer of a righteous person. That's why I say it's the right person, a righteous person, not a perfect person, but somebody who's been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, right? The prayer of a righteous person is, say this with me, is powerful and effective. So, so God is so concerned that we experience freedom from the hurts and the habits and the hangups of life that he, that he inspires James through the Holy Spirit to write these words that there is a way that you get healed from the hurts and habits. So let, let's be clear about this. When, when, we, when we sin, we go to God with our sins and he forgives us. The Bible says that he is faithful and that he is just to forgive us our sins. He says, he says uh, that if we have an advocate with the Father, the, the, uh, with the righteous, and, 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 and when we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He saves us, he forgives us, he redeems us, but he doesn't erase our memories, does he? Does he erase our memories? No. He, he decides of his own will to forget our sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, the Bible says. He, he decides not to remember our sins, but he doesn't, he pays the penalty. He, he makes it right, right? But the pain and the drain of the past often lingers and affects us. We still have our pasts to deal with in terms of the emotional and the mental baggage that often accompanies what we've done wrong or what's been done to us. And so James says that you find freedom from the hurts and the habits and the hangups of the past from the brokenness by, by confession and, and by prayer with other people. He says bring other people in. This is in part how it occurs. We take it, this is what we're hearing. You take it to God's people. That's what we're reading right here. And I wanna say this, that even if you've gone through the worst things in life, God will not waste a single hurt that you've experienced in your life so Paul says this thing in 2 Corinthians 1, and I love this. He says, and I want you to make a note of this verse because this verse will comfort you somewhere. If, you be a, if you're a note taker, I want you to write this verse down. Pr praise be to the God, and I'm skipping a part of it. The Father of what? Come on, say it with me, of compassion. The Father of compassion and the God of all 
of all comfort, right? So why would I take my stuff to God because he's the father of compassion and he's the God of all comfort who comforts us and say this with me, in, in all our troubles, he comforts us in all of our troubles and why does he do this? For, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is so that, he explains this, so that we can comfort others or those in any trouble with this, a lot of translations say the same comfort. And what I want you to, I want you to see this with me. Those of you who have gone through a divorce or those of you who've gone through a traumatic loss or those of you who've suffered a crippling diagnosis, a disease of some kind, and, but yet you're still here and God has brought you through and God has offered you the comfort. What, what Paul is saying is somewhere along life's journey, God is gonna put people in your path that are going through the same thing that you've overcome. That, 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 that the moment that you realize, I have survived, I thought this was going to take me out but it didn't take me out in fact it brought me out and God comforted me with this and so who better to comfort somebody else who's going through something than a person who's also gone through that same thing so what happens is someday somewhere God's going to put you in the pathway of somebody who's going through whatever it is that you've gone through and you're going to be able to say listen you're not alone I've been through that too and the God who comforted me is gonna comfort you, and, and there's, it's, it's kind of an unfair advantage that you have, the thing that you survived that, that you thought was gonna take you out, that becomes your unfair advantage because you have the capacity to offer somebody who's going through your same trouble that you survived and give them the same comfort that we ourselves have received from God. That's why we take it to people. That's, because that's why God never wastes our pain. He's gonna use the pain that we've survived to comfort others, and we get wisdom for life. You know, you know, wise people know, I've said this for years, Andy Stanley, wise people know what they don't know. We're talking about getting wisdom to be honest, right? They know what they don't know, so they go to those who do know, and that's what makes them wise. And, and, and what happens is you're gonna find people, the right people, God's people, who, who just seem to have an insight into parenting, and you're gonna get on the, that train. You're gonna realize they, they know something I don't know. They've survived something I haven't survived. They've raised these kids, and, and I'm still trying to raise them. So you go to wise people who know something about parenting or about money or about marriage or about relationships, and, and, and wise people tend to gather people around them who are also wise and, the, and, and with whom they can be very brutally honest and say, hey man, I'm struggling in this area and the wisdom that God has given them, the comfort that God has given them, they give it to you. That's what people do. And, 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 and I wanna just say this, and I'm almost done, and, and we can, if we got a keyboard player in the house, you can come back up. Th th there are a few of us, and, and I know this from years of doing what I'm doing right now, there are a few, and, and also because I've been this person, there are a few of us who say, yeah, I probably need to talk to somebody. I probably need to get some help. I probably should, but I'm just gonna figure it out on my own. I, I figure I can, I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. I can, I can and people like me. Come on, somebody, right? All right, I, I, I'm gonna figure it out. But, but there's a word from, from, from Solomon that I wanna give you. Solomon the wise, Proverbs 28. He who trusts in his own heart, in his own strength, in his own craftiness, in his own cleverness, in his own intellect, is a fool. That's not, that's not a fun word. Come on, somebody. But he who walks wisely, and Proverbs, Solomon talks about walking, that the wise walk with the wise. 
and that a companion of fools suffers harms, he says, uh, harm in other places. But he who walks wisely, he who, he who doesn't trust in his own heart, doesn't trust in his own instincts, just alone, does, runs things past other people, that person will be delivered. Delivered from what? Think about this with me. Delivered from what? What will this person who, who says, I'm not gonna trust in my own instincts or my own heart. See, when, when you are going through hard days, when you are highly emotional, when you're super angry or even super happy, it's a scientific fact that logic goes down. This is why when you're super happy, you buy stuff you shouldn't buy. Come on, somebody. This is why when you're super sad, you eat stuff you ought not eat. Can I get a witness, somebody? Right? You think, I'm going to eat this comfort food. Do you feel comfortable later on? When you, come on, when you have to take that top belt, but, that button off, are you going to take an eye out with somebody? Come on. Right? You, your logic goes down. And what he's saying is going is, is to be delivered is that a fool who says, I got this. I don't need help. I don't need anybody's wisdom. I don't need to talk to anybody. I don't need to run this past anybody. I don't need anybody's help figuring out this decision. That person suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. And listen to me, because I want you to lean into this. The, the, they're, they're delivered, the wise are getting delivered from what the fool is not delivered from. But the problem with the fool is the fool is often married. And so he, the consequences of the fool, because he thinks I got this, or she thinks I got this, is not just felt by that person. It's felt by husband or wife or kids. And listen to me hard real quick now. It often gets passed down to kids. This, 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 this foolishness gets passed down to kids who then pass it down generationally. And we see generations of people who trust their own hearts and make mistakes over and over again, don't learn over and over again. But he who walks with the wise will be delivered from all of that. Wise people know what they don't know, so they go to those who do know, and that's what makes them wise. The last thing, and I'm done here, you take it to God. You take it to God's people. I promise this one's a lot shorter. You, you, you take it to God. This is an obvious one, but it's so obvious that some people don't do it. Peter says, cast all your cares some of the modern translations say, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I, I was reading this Bible plan that I'm hoping you'll read with me this week. Uh, Easter explained. I was reading it this morning, Psalm 118, which is one of the prophecies that you get to the bottom of, one, of 118, you find that he's gonna come in on the, on the foal of a donkey. The king is gonna ride in. It's part of that prophecy. But in verse five, the psalmist says, when, when I was hard pressed, when I was hard pressed by life, by trouble, by difficulty, by this bad day, it feels confining, it feels constricting, I feel like I can't escape, I don't know how I'm gonna get out. He said, when I was in that space, when I was hard pressed, he said, I cried out to the Lord. I cried out to the Lord. And then it says this beautiful thing, and then he brought me into a spacious place. I went from confined and constricted and, and, and feeling enslaved and imprisoned, but when I cried out to the Lord, he, he brought me up and he brought me out into this spacious place. And then the next verse says, verse six says, that the Lord is with me. Would you say that with me? The, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. I will not let fear Stop me. 
And then he says, what can mere mortals do to me? And then he says it again, the Lord, verse seven, the Lord is with me. He is my helper. Be human enough to ask for help because he's with you and he is your helper. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Next slide, please. That you get honest enough to ask for help starting with God. God, here's where I'm hurting or here's where I'm overwhelmed or here's where I'm broken or here's where I'm suffering or here's what I'm going through. Listen, Jesus said, I am thirsty. He didn't say, hey, y'all figure it out, figure out what's wrong with me, figure out what I need. He didn't do that. He, he expressed it clearly, I'm thirsty. I think there's a word for us in there that we need to know this is where I'm struggling. What, what is it? What is it that you're struggling with? And I know that you can just think about what it is, but I'm asking you to go t- a step further and write it down. If you don't have a pen in the room today, you, you, do, you, you, you do it when you get home, but, but some, somehow you're writing it down when I was hard-pressed with this thing, God, I'm crying out to you. And he brings you into a spacious place. The, the Lord, God, this is the thing. And, and, and the psalmist said that you are, you are my helper. So I, I cry to you because you're with me. You, you are my helper. This is the thing, God, where I'm hurting, where I'm broken. And you just take a step and you start there and you acknowledge that. This is the thing that I've lost, God. This is the thing that I'm suffering from. And and this message isn't about three easy steps to getting over your your pain or your loss. There's no such thing. Because loss is something, isn't something that just you get over. The, The message is not about if something bad happens to you, figure out how fast you can get back to being happy. Loss is something wrong that needs to be set right. Loss is something that needs to be redeemed. Brokenness is something that needs redemption. And and the Bible says that there is a day coming when God will do that. He will set everything right. All of the injustices of the world, he will make them right. But, But between that day and this day, the strangest thing happens to people who will cry out to the Lord. God, I'm in the dark. God, I'm overwhelmed. God, I'm broken. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm thinking things that I know I shouldn't be thinking. The strangest thing happens is that they discover people in darkness, people who feel conflicted and constricted, people who are, feel enslaved or imprisoned, they, they, some, they find somehow that God is there with them in the darkness, in the pain, in their hurt, in their pain, in their silent suffering, when they reach out to him even just a little bit. Acts 17 says that he's close. They find that he's there, that even in the midst of their hurt, even in the midst of their pain, that God, God's not only just there, but he's at work. Because Romans 8, 28, and we know, and we know that in all things God is, is working, that God is at work for them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. God is not just there, he's at work. Now, I, I don't know if, if you've ever been with somebody who is broken or who's hurting, suffering, and, and they start to cry, and maybe it's just you and them. 
And there's this instinct that I have to, to immediately find a, 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 a tissue. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like it's not okay for their tears to flow, so I got to get, get something to wipe it up, you know? And, and, and what I've noticed is that while I'm comfortable handing them a tissue, I'm not comfortable wiping their tears away because that's something that is reserved for the most close, the most intimate of relationships, like spouses and like mothers and their children or fathers and their children. John who's Jesus' best friend, for preaching the gospel, he gets punished. He gets exiled to a penal colony called the Isle of Patmos. And there on the Isle of Patmos, the, the, the Bible says he gets taken up. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, but he sees heaven. He sees the end of times. He sees all of these incredibly vivid images. But of those images, one of the most beautiful is found in Revelation 21. And here's what John says, that now God's presence is, is with people. He's talking about that time when God has made everything right. So God is with people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God, and, and then this thing. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. This, this is the intimacy of a God who loves you so much, who sees your hurt, who sees your suffering, who sees your pain, and who feels close enough to wipe your tears away. The Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, and there will be no more death or sadness or crying or pain because all of the old ways which are these ways are gone some of you may be feeling a crushing blow right now maybe it's relational maybe it's financial maybe it's health maybe it's part of your family there's coming a day when when God says He's going to come to you in all of your heart and all of your hurts with the, all of the gentleness and all of the compassion in the universe. The God who makes everything looks at you and wipes the tears from your eyes. That's the kind of God who is in this room. And so I, I feel inclined um, to doing something a little different and it's going to take something because we're not jammed in here like we have been all day um, I've been asking people, the first two gatherings, I ask them to close their eyes, and, and then I just decided, no, I'm not going to do that last gathering because this is a spiritual family. I know you don't know everybody in the room. I know this is just a, this is a building, but this is more than a building. We are the church. We are the family of God. We are the people of God. And so I'm going to just ask, if you're overwhelmed or if you're facing something that feels big, if you're going through a, a quote, bad day right now, or, 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 or whatever it is, would you just slip your hand up real quick? If, if, if you are, go ahead, yeah. Several of you, thank you, thank you. Just keep it up, would you, would you just keep it up? Would you look around, everybody, look around. There's several hands here. There's not a lot of us in the room, obviously, I know that. There's a lot of hands here. People, every week we get prayer requests that are heartbreaking. You can put, thank you. So, so what I would love, if you're comfortable, is if you were around somebody who raised their hand, even if they didn't, and you're comfortable to just put a hand on a shoulder or, 
or, or whatever your comfort level is, you want to get up and go to somebody else. Um, we're going to have prayer partners up here in just a minute, and you can come forward. If you don't have anybody around you, they'll be happy to. But I'm just asking you pray because we've got to take it to God's people. And that's why I ask you to raise your hand. We're taking it to God's people. And we're also gonna take it to God in prayer. So Father, if you don't mind, just touch somebody. If you're close, if you feel comfortable, do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're the Father of compassion. You are the God of all comfort, who, who comforts us in all of our troubles. And so Lord, God, as, as we pray for one another, even if we couldn't get over there, but we know the person who his hand was raised, we just call their name right now, God. I just pray for people who are hurting, who are facing difficult things, God. And, and I don't even need to know what all of them are, but God, people, every week we see these incredibly crushing things that people are going through. And I pray that they would know that they, don't have, they will never walk alone that you are the God, that David said that you walk with us through our valleys of the shadow of death. God, you, you are with us. You are Emmanuel, the Bible said, the prophet said, that, that it, which means God with us. But, but we're not just, we don't just have you, God, which is enough, but you've also given us people. God, so we pray for one another. God, we, we comfort one another just with a touch, with, with a hand on a back or a hand on a shoulder. God, we comfort and we pray. God, would you be, bring peace and would you bring hope and would you bring comfort and would you bring strength, God? And may we be the kind of people who, who, who keep it real, Lord. And may we be the kind of people who create a culture, a vibe here where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect, but with Jesus, anything is possible. And may we have the kind of culture where it's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to stay that way because we're gonna walk hand in hand. We're gonna, we're gonna make it together. I pray blessings and grace and goodness and help and strength and compassion and favor. God, you, you are the God who the Bible says you go before us and you're behind us. And you're all around us. You're out in the future. God, and you're all the way in the past and you, you can deal with everything, God, and you hem us in before and behind, David said in Psalm 139. God, and you are here with us, and you're comforting, and you're helping, and you're giving strength, and you're giving strength to the weary. You're giving hope to the hopeless. You're giving help to those who feel helpless. You're doing it right now. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said a good amen. Amen, amen. Could you clap your hands one time to the Lord? Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.